flavors I would like to start out with uh, is an Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28. Um, this is a section of verses I had studied even prior to being baptized in the Holy Spirit and actually ended up getting a tattoo that was <laughs> a section of these verses even before I understood what it meant to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, but it, Ezekiel 36, starting in 24, says, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you to your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will pour my spirit with I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Um, this is God's promise to us because he relentlessly pursues us. Um, um, until the day that we are able to say, yes, Lord. Uh, I am yours. And for some of us, that takes a lifetime. And for some of us, it's much less. And even after he saves us, he's daily pursuing us because each of us knows in the depths of our hearts that apart from the grace that God places there, we are in constant rebellion to him. And we don't really want him. <laughs> so we thank him for his grace. Um, just a little bit of background, because um, Greg had asked me to share my story of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think there's, everybody has background, and mine certainly plays into uh, a lot of the process. Um, so uh, one thing to be said with the background is that, uh, oh, shucks. <laughs> one thing to be said with the background is the fact that, um, you know, even if we're unable to see God working in our lives, he still is. Um, and he uses different people all along the way, along the process, along that journey, even if we're unable to recognize it. Um, and so that was, I think that kind of, um, that definitely is true with me in the sense that God was placing people in my life um, for all of my life. I mean, growing up as a young child, um, I didn't, I wasn't prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until probably three years ago, I think. Um, but the Lord was relentlessly pursuing me up until that point. Um, so just a little background. I grew up in a um, moderately dysfunctional home, um, put it that way. Uh, my parents, I love them, but um, their marriage stemmed out of the model that they had before them. Um, and so I can't say that it's their fault for how they raised my sister and I um, to some degree. Uh, I think that it is, but... Um, there was an aspect of my parents' marriage that certainly um, had an opportunity to taint my life uh, and taint my, taint my future marriage, even though I wasn't aware of it. Um, the other part of the background is that I was raised in, uh, I guess, your typical Baptist churches in the sense that um, the Holy Spirit was not ever talked about. If he was, he was an aspect of the Trinity great, we all get them at salvation, and it ends there. Uh, there was no continuation going on and on from that um, because the, the, the belief behind that was the fact that um, the Holy Spirit um, doesn't work in miracles, healings. He doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore. 
um, that stopped when the apostles died, which doesn't make any sense to me now. But when I was when I was being raised in those type of churches, it made total sense. Um, and the other aspect was um, the and if you guys have been here for a while, um, we talk a lot about the kingdom perspective. In the sense that uh, I grew up in churches that believe that the world is just getting darker and darker and darker and God is not here and somehow he fell off his throne and he's not aware of the world um, and his light is not continuing to go forth. Um, and so that kind of shaped my philosophy, my worldview of the Holy Spirit. Um, I had heard different things from different people um, in different churches that I'd gone to, or I went to uh, Bible College Word of Life for two years, which is uh, a great school. That's where I learned how to study the Bible. Uh, we actually had to have mandatory devotional time every morning before class. Um, and for me, at the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, you want me to sit here and study the Bible for like 45 minutes? What the heck am I going to do with myself? <laughs> and, then, uh, <laughs> and then a couple months into being in that atmosphere, I began to realize like 45 minutes is not enough. Um, and that was like, that was, I think for me, a beginning or a realization that like, there's so much to study in God's word and he is infinite and we are finite and we will never stop understanding who he is. There is never an end to knowing who God is. Um, a couple other pieces of the background of my journey and my story is that uh, I had several different people kind of disciple me in the process as I was growing up, neighbors, uh, a pastor's wife. Um, and then when I got to college, uh, I went to Cedarville as well um, for four years. My aunt and uncle, who's my mom's sister, actually many of you guys have met them, Renee and Jim. Um, they've come here on Sundays a couple different times. Uh, they uh, began pouring into my life. Uh, they'd been praying for me for my entire life, which I had no idea about. Um, and so that was the beginning of a, a really good relationship to kind of push me forward. Um, so roughly about three years ago, I think three, or go, three years ago this summer, um, I had already graduated from college. I was going to a different church. I was working night shift as a nurse. Uh, spiritually, I was like, eh, it's kind of blah. Um, like I'd go to church and there would be times that I'd read the Bible and uh, I would have seasons that were like a week long, um, <laughs> where I would like really get into the Bible and I would really read and it would be really exciting and I could maybe sort of sense God's presence a little bit, but it wasn't a ton. It's kind of like before and after, I'd have to say it was like experiencing God in the, in the form of like a mud puddle versus a waterfall. Um, that's kind of one of the images that he's given me is mud puddle versus waterfall. Um, and so... I began to realize that there was this restlessness in my heart. Like I wanted more and I, I figured there had to be more out there somewhere. Um, I had been part of um, like a, what are they called? Like young adult group in the other church I was going to, which was like people after they graduated from college and were working but weren't married and weren't dating and didn't really know what they wanted to do with life. Um, and so, so I was part of this group and we would have Bible studies every week, but the, the level or the degree of the Bible study was like, let's read this passage. What do you think about it? What do you think about it? What do you think about it? And then we'll have like discussion, but there was actual no like study of the word, like 
you know, getting into commentaries or studying different doctrines, theologies, things like that. And so I think that that was the beginning of my awareness of the fact that I needed more and that there was more. Um, and I'd been, you guys all know, John and Leah Gray. Um, Leah and I have been friends for, I don't know, like 10 or 11 years. We went to Word of Life together, and then we went to Cedarville together. And, um, and so after uh, she had graduated from Cedarville, um, shortly after that, she had before after she met John. I don't know. Sorry, John. <laughs> um, and they started coming here, and I began to see this change in Leah's life. Um, prior to me seeing that change, she had been coming here with John. She had been prayed for, um, experienced the baptism in the Spirit, and she had relentlessly, I mean relentlessly, some of you have, some of you know Leah, most of you know Leah, and when she pursues after you about something, she goes for it 100%, which is awesome, and that's why it should be. Um, but she, every time we would interact, she, she would be like, Beth, you should come hang out with us at church and do this kind of thing, because we're going to go do this, and we're going to go do that. And then she started to tell me about her experience with being prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit, a greater filling of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, you're crazy, and I don't know why you're going to this church, because it was totally different than anything that we'd ever been like raised with or gone to school and talked about. And, uh, and so she would, she would just keep talking to me about it, and she'd be like, you should read this and read this book. And I was like, sure, I'll read the books, which meant I put them in my car and didn't look at them for several weeks or months ever. <laughs> um, but anyway, she was relentless in pursuing me and praying for me. And at the same time, God was also creating this or putting this spirit of restlessness in my heart to help me recognize, gosh, there has to be more. Like, there has to be more, but I don't know where to find it. Um, and then most of you who have been coming here have experienced uh, the level of community within this church um, with food afterwards or just socialization or different activities. And honestly, that was one of the um, things that God used to pull me uh, this direction uh, closer to him, more into more of him, because... Uh, the group that I was a part of, the church I was going to, there wasn't a whole lot of interaction. We'd see each other on Sunday. You'd work all week long, wouldn't do much. Great. Um, and as most of you know, it's much different here. Um, so three summers ago, uh, the Lord sovereignly ordained it that I'd have to have knee surgery because I tore a ligament in my knee, which was awesome, by the way. <laughs> Um, awesome in the sense that, which I didn't realize how he was going to use that, that summer. So I was off work for two months and I had nothing to do. I could sit at my house and, uh, watch TV or movies, I guess, cause that's what you do. Um, but I was also invited to join some of the people here at church who weren't working in the mornings to just read scripture, um, read scripture, read foundational books. Uh, sometimes we would take time to pray, we would worship, and that would happen every morning, Monday through Friday, from about 8 to noon. Um, and so I was like, well, I don't have anything else to do. What the heck, I might as well. So I'd come here and I'd ice my knee on the pew as I laid there and studied through Ezekiel and studied through Jeremiah and studied through Isaiah and all these amazing books in the Old Testament. I began to see how the Holy Spirit working then, even though I wasn't aware of it, was opening my mind, restoring my mind, causing me to see aspects and parts of scripture that I had 
studied before because I'd been in Bible college for six years, but studied uh, in a very, I think, shallow surface way, not realizing the depth of scripture that there is. There's something to be said about being under um, uh, people, men of God who have studied the word of God um, that believe different doctrines that are always in scripture versus men and people of God um, who haven't been exposed to those different doctrines and theology and how much that changes and it's different. Um, and so that then I received an invitation from Greg to hang out with him uh, and go through the, the studies of the Holy Spirit. And I remember meeting with him and Catherine at Red Robin, and I told him and the very first time that I met him, I was like, listen, I can only hang out with you for like an hour at a time because after that, my brain just glazes over because it's just too much. <laughs> um, and that's what I told him. And then as we kept meeting every day, it became one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. And he would do errands running around the town and running around Dayton. And I would just be in the car listening and I'd be asking him questions. And I was just, there was so much that I realized in scripture that I had not known at all and nobody had ever told me about. And I was actually really upset because I was like, why didn't people tell me about this? It's in here. <laughs> why not tell me? Um, and so that was kind of, that was another part of the process, the journey in recognizing that the Holy Spirit was indeed pulling my, pulling me closer to him, opening my mind and causing me to see parts of scripture that had always been there, but I'd never been exposed to. Um, and so uh, I think we studied, I don't know, for a couple of weeks, four or five weeks maybe. Um, he went through all the sections in scripture that talk about the baptism of the Spirit, many of which we read this morning, or Catherine read this morning. Um, all the books that I was encouraged to read on the back shelf, I dug into them, turned off the TV. I didn't watch TV. I didn't watch movies. All I wanted to do, I began to realize, is read. And, like, I hungered to read. Um, and, like, the great thing was that God gave me the time because of being laid up and not having to work. But for those of us who, you know, the situation may be different, you guys are in classes with school or working, you know, I understand that it's sometimes difficult to get into the word and read, and yet that should not stop us. Because if God wants us to pursue him, which is not an if, it is a command, then we should, um, we should pursue him, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. Um, and so we need to, as a, as a people, recognize the priority of studying God versus anything else that may come up in life. Um, so that's what I began to realize, and he was showing me all this. So then uh, a couple weeks after we studied, um, I, um, I wasn't going to this church at this time, at that time. Um, but one Sunday afternoon, uh, Greg was like, okay, I think you're ready. And I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> I was actually really terrified. Uh, I was really terrified because um, I didn't, in my mind, I didn't analytically understand everything that it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and part of my background is that I was very skeptical. I was like, if I can't see, then it must not be true. If I can't see it, then I, it must not be true. I wanted to have, like, God tangibly, tangibly put something in my hands. I wanted to be able to see the Holy Spirit in front of me. 
Um, and yet I began to realize that he was there. He was there with scripture. He was there with the people that I was interacting with, with the studies that I was going through, what I was seeing people do, or what I was seeing God do in other people's lives through John and Leah. And I was like, okay, there's got to be something true about this. Um, and so um, that Sunday afternoon, I was prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was really nervous. Uh, the other thing that I was nervous, you know, the reasons that I was nervous was because I didn't understand what might happen, and I was fearful. The other thing I thought was, well, what if nothing happens? Like, what if I don't get a prayer language? Everybody just, like, I sit there, and everybody stands around me and prays for me, and nothing happens, and, like, we go on this for, like, hours, and nothing happens. <laughs> they just, like, call it quits after so many, like, after so long. <laughs> Uh, and, and I, I remember expressing all those fears to Greg and he said, you know, here's the thing, like faith works in ways that our natural minds can't understand. And we have to be okay with that. We have to make the decision to still jump. If God says jump, because we have to trust that he is king and he's sovereign, he's on his throne and he's not going to give us, he's not going to give us bad things if we ask for good gifts. He doesn't work like that. Um, so I was like, okay okay, let's go for it. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so we sang and we prayed and kind of Greg led me and some words to repeat back to him or repeat, not back to him, but repeat um, and asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, nothing really happened at first. You know, everybody else around me was, were, were worshiping. They were also speaking with their prayer language. Um, nothing happened. And I was just sitting there and I was thinking in my head, Oh my gosh, nothing's happening. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and, I be, <laughs> and at that moment, I began to realize, um, because of the Holy Spirit, uh, that I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was hold my hands open and let my mouth be open. Um, I think it was like a day before, uh, that Saturday before, uh, somebody here in the church, a friend, had... Um, encouraged me to listen to the song Oceans, which many of you guys know. Uh, and the chorus says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk, wa walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. And that, that is truth, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. So those words came back to me. <laughs> Uh, and I sat there and I, and I said, all right, Lord, like, you know, I don't care what I'm going to look like if I say yes. I don't care what that means. If you want me to go somewhere, I'll go. Um, in the moment, if I start bawling like a baby and I'm, you know, the kind of crying when you're like, can't see and your nose is running and you can't really breathe. Yeah, that's what ended up happening. But it was quite beautiful, actually. Um, and so uh, I had to decide in that moment whether or not I cared what people thought of me when I said yes. And if I cared enough, what would that hinder me from actually experiencing? Um, I chose the first one because I decided I didn't really care. Uh, and the freedom of being filled with the Holy Spirit was by far greater than caring what people thought of me. Um, and if I cried like a baby, uh, if I fell on the floor, uh, if I laughed hysterically, um, it wouldn't make a difference because 
the freedom that God was giving me was far greater than what anybody else would think about me. Um, and so that actually was, uh, that was um, the beginning of amazingness. Um, I cried a lot. I boogered a lot. Um, I uh, felt like dancing, and I'm pretty sure I did. I don't remember all of it. But um, the greatest part was um, just a lot of healing and freedom that came. Um, and some of you have experienced this because you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who have not, I really encourage you to get into the word and to study the books, to meet with people here in the church, because it is going to be one of the best things in your life, second to salvation. Um, so as I was sitting there, I felt the Holy Spirit just flood over me in a way that words, English words, any words, just is very difficult to express. Um, I received, I began to feel a, a deep healing between the brokenness between God and myself in the sense that I was able to feel him being um, God, my father, uh, a, a deep, intimate relationship with him where I had been before. I'd known God and I'd known of him, um, but I didn't ever really feel close to him. Um, it was kind of like a, a duty. I come to church, I go to Bible studies, supposed to talk about God at my job, supposed to talk about him with my family, with other people, but I always felt like I was striving really hard to do all these things. Um, and in that moment, there was freedom that I didn't have to do that anymore. Um, there, there was a freedom that God would fill me with his spirit, and all of those things would suddenly just happen. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't have to strive or struggle or try to do that. Um, there, for, at that point, that was the beginning point to the healing between myself and a lot of my family members with my parents. My parents were, they got divorced when I was a freshman in college. Uh, and there was a lot of hurt that went with that between my parents, arguing in front of my sister and I, and always trying to, uh, degrade the other parent in front of my sister and I, and nitpicking little things. Um, and so even though I didn't recognize it at that moment when I was, filled with the spirit, um, that was the beginning of more. Um, I lost track of time. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I didn't know what time it was. And it was great because you're swept up and you're caught up in God's presence and time doesn't matter. You, I could have spent all afternoon doing that. I think the people with me in the room could have spent all afternoon doing that. Um, and so um, just a couple of things that, have, that I've recognized that the Lord has shown me that have happened as a result of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, it talks about in Scripture that Christ went into the wilderness and he was tested after his, uh, his time with the Spirit, being baptized in the Spirit. And, and that was certainly true of myself. Um, you know, when... When we run towards God and we pursue him, our flesh wants us more to go the opposite direction. Um, and any time I know that I have experienced the presence of God uh, and being filled with the spirit again, usually before that, there's great temptation to argue with my husband or to be frustrated. Um, and after that, there can be periods of really like a lot of discouragement. And so I went through this time of testing and temptation 
Uh, and some of my darkest times and deepest sorrows of sin happened right after I was baptized in the Spirit. And I don't say that to frighten anybody or scare anybody off, but that's the reality. Because when we pursue God, our flesh and Satan don't want us to. Um, they would rather us stay where we're at, stay indifferent, stay running and hating God, when God's love is reaching out to us um, and saying, come, <laughs> I have a gift for you and I want you to come. All you have to do is run towards me. Um, and yet it's his grace that causes us to run towards him. Um, I alluded to this earlier. Forgiveness was one of the other big things that happened as a result um, of my experience with the Holy Spirit. Um, and it still is happening. It's a daily thing uh, for me to forgive, uh, to not hold grudges, to not be angry or bitter. Um, it happened uh, with my parents first. Um, I think Greg had mentioned this. Uh, in the 930 meeting, there's a sermon that John preached on forgiveness as a prerequisite to discipleship. As uh, soon as I heard that message, like even halfway through the message, I was like, oh, dang it. I got to pray with my parents. <laughs> uh, and I knew I had to do it that afternoon, and I really didn't want to. Uh, but the Lord is gracious. And um, he caused those phone calls to happen. And so I called my mom and talked to her and forgave her for different hurts that had happened in the past as a kid growing up, specifically with my parents' divorce um, and afterwards. With my dad, I had to do the same thing. Um, with my sister, I had to do that as my, with my little sister. Um, and there just became this, you know, when we forgive, and for those of you who have read The Total uh, Forgiveness Experience, that book, if you haven't read it, I'd really encourage you to do so. Um, it is certainly a hindrance in pursuing the Lord and knowing God if we are not willing to forgive. Um, how do we expect to experience God's forgiveness if we are not willing to forgive our family members, our brothers and sisters, other people in the church. Um, there becomes a, a barrier and a wall there. Um, and so when I took the, made the decision to uh, forgive, there was, a, a, there was freedom. There was no longer a cage. There was no longer, you know, when we choose not to forgive, we put ourselves in a box. We put ourselves in a cage. And we say to God, you know, I don't think that you are God enough or you're good enough to handle this situation, and I'm supposed to handle it on my own. And God says, that's not true. Um, and it, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't matter the timing or how long it takes, but it's something that we're called to do is to forgive. Uh, there's two other things. Grace, still trying to figure that one out. Still trying to understand that one. <laughs> uh, my husband does a great job of showing me grace, um, which is wonderful. Um, but it's not something that you can obtain. I came from a background um, from several different churches where grace was performance-based. You do good things, you act a certain way, and therefore you receive God's grace. Uh, if you don't do good things and you don't act a certain way, then God doesn't love you uh, and he doesn't show you grace. Um, and so that's something that he's still uh, weeding out of me because they're very, very deep roots uh, where... I struggle often to show grace to others, um, and I struggle to receive God's grace. Uh, when I sin, big or small, I often think that I have to sit outside the doors of God's throne room, even though the doors are wide open, and he's in there, and he's saying, come to me, child, my beloved daughter. I think I have to sit outside his throne room, 
punish myself for like, I don't know, two, three days. Depends on how big the sin is. That extends the number of days I have to punish myself. <laughs> um, and that's something that the Lord is, is showing me graciously is not true. The moment I sin, that's even before I sin because he knew I was going to sin. His grace is there and his forgiveness is there. Um, and his arms are wide open. And then uh, the last part, I think, is passion and prayer. Uh, and the fact that the Lord's given me uh, and my husband different burdens for different ministries with Cedarville. Um, he's given that to a couple other people within the church. Um, it's my passion to know the word of God, to study the word of God, to hunger for the word of God. Uh, prayer, uh, being involved in prayer and understanding that prayer is very, very powerful. Um, it's, it's not just a conversation with God. Um, it is, but it's much more than that. And we ought to pray with expectation that he's going to do amazing things. Um, and so one of the analogies that he gave me, and I will leave you guys with this because I think Greg wants to preach at some point, um, <laughs> is, uh, is uh, he gave, the Lord gave me this, I don't know, several months ago. But it's like a goldfish that jumps out of the fishbowl. Uh, you know, goldfish jumps out of the fishbowl, he lands on the table, and he's laying there, and it's not like he can put himself back in the bowl, but he's laying there, guppy breathing. Um, and, and that's kind of, uh, that relates to us as Christians in the sense, as human beings in the sense that we, you know, prior to, for me, prior to receiving, being filled with the Holy Spirit, I was the goldfish that had jumped out of the bowl and landed on the table, and I was guppy breathing for air, like struggling, because fish are meant to live in water. Um, and if you just didn't know that. Um, and, uh, um, when, we, when we try and live our lives without Christ, without the Holy Spirit, we are that goldfish laying on the table guppy breathing. And for many of us, we get accustomed to that. We get used to it, and we get comfortable. And yet, God says, let me scoop you up in my hand, let me put you back in the tank full of water that represents the Holy Spirit. Let me fill your life. Let me give you life because for so long you've been struggling to breathe without life. Um, so my question and challenge to you guys is which is better, to be the goldfish guppy breathing on the table or to be living in a tank of the Holy Spirit filled with abundant life? <laughs>